I want to continue my series on the lyric meters of Horace. I'm uh, reading the odes in order, and here's 1-3. This is a, a wonderful poem that is addressed to Virgil, sort of indirectly. Virgil's about to set out on a, um, a sea voyage to Greece, and uh, Horace writes for him a, a traditional sort of bon voyage poem, but of course you know, journeys were very risky and chancy in um, the ancient world, and you can sense the anxiety in this type of poem that the person might not come back. Uh, of course, Virgil, in fact, did die on a on the return from a voyage to Greece, not this particular one, which is dated somewhat earlier. But the uh, poem shows the great affection and respect that Horace had for Virgil, who was at the time this poem was written, uh, already one of the, you know, it was probably the premier, the greatest Roman poet of his day. So it's placed prominently in the odes. Uh, the meter is a combination of what's called a glyconic line, and then an asclepiad. Now, all these terms are used to describe a type of verse, a type of lyric verse that Horace took over from Greek poets, uh, known sort of generically as eolic verse, because they were used by Sappho and Alcaeus, the two great lyric poets of Greece, and they came from the island of Lesbos, did Sappho and Alcaeus, and they wrote in the eolic dialect. Uh, and the particular types of lines have their own special names that have various origins. But the, the basic characteristic of all of these lyric meters is they're extremely restrictive. Uh, in, in this case, you've got two lines. The first line with an eight with eight syllables must have exactly eight syllables, and the second one must have exactly 12 syllables. And they're further broken down to, into very strict sequences of long and short. No substitutions allowed. All right, so all the eolic line types tend to, or at least one way of analyzing all of them, is to see them as built around a nucleus of long, short, short, long. This is called a choriam, a choriam, C-H-O-R-I-A-M-B. And uh, this choriambic unit can be added onto or augmented on the front end or the back end with various things. So the, um, the glyconic line, which is named after the Greek poet glycon, has that choriam, long, short, short, long, but before it comes uh, a spondy, long, long. So you get long, 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 short, short, long. Da, 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 da. And then there's a little I am at the end, da, da. So, so it sounds like this, da, 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 da. Now, the second line referred to as the Asclepiad has exactly the same beginning as the glyconic. It's two longs, followed by the choriam, da, 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 da. Then comes a caesura, and then the choriam repeats, da, 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 followed by the iam, just as in we had in the glyconic. So it's long, long, then, then the choriam. Caesura, word break, yeah? Then, and after, after the caesura comes choriam plus iam, da, 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 da. So if you were to write this out, you'd see one line is simply an expansion of the other. Uh, by adding another choriam. Okay, so the glyconic uh, followed by the Asclepiad. Uh, let me read you a translation of this, my own translation, which is a little bit free, but I think it's truer to the sense of it. And then I'll read the Latin for you quite slowly. Horace, of course, is a notoriously you know, rich and dense poet, and I'm going to try and read it slowly. If you know the Latin, perhaps you've read it in Latin, you might be able to understand some And I'll, uh, if I go... Nice and slow and with plenty of pauses. All right, so here's the uh, English translation. 
it's addressed to the ship. Virgil's about to take off. He says, look here, ship. Virgil's been entrusted to you and you owe me his return. You'll notice that I'm, I'm reorienting the Latin somewhat. He literally, he starts talking to the ship and uh, asks the, uh, he, he prays for the various gods to help the ship on its journey on the condition that he keeps Virgil safe. So I reorient that a little bit and says, look here, ship. Virgil's been entrusted to you and you owe me his return. I ask you, ferry this man, half my soul, safely on to Attica. Do so, and I pray the gods to guide you well. Venus, mighty goddess of Cyprus, and Helen's brothers who guard over sailors and gleam at their masts, and Aeolus, the wind king, may he restrain all his gusts. Save only those of South Italian Iapuks, he who first decided to set flimsy raft on ferocious sea had oak around his heart and threefold brass. He had no fear, not of the swooping squalls of Africus that collide and wrestle with the northerly Aquilones, not of the grim Hyades, harbingers of storm, nor of Notus, the Adriatic's most formidable tyrant, he who heaves or calms the waters according to his whim. Indifferent to death's approach, he was, gazing with tranquil eyes at swimming monsters, the roiling sea, and the notorious rocks of Acrocheraunia. Some god in his wisdom parted the lands with dividing ocean. But in vain, if impious ships still skip across water that ought not to be touched, the human race is bold enough for anything. It barges ahead to the forbidden. As Iapetus' son, Prometheus, brought fire to the peoples of earth with wicked deceit. After the theft of fire from heaven, a troop of new fevers fell upon the land. Death's necessity, once remote, slow-moving, picked up her pace. Daedalus dared the void with wings not granted to man. Hercules labored through to hell's Acheron. No challenge is too steep for mortals. We seek to scale heaven itself in our foolishness, and our crimes do not permit Jupiter to put aside his thunderbolts of fury. Sic te diwa potens cupri, sic fratres Helenae, Lucida sidera, ventorumque regat pater, obstrictis aliis, praeter iapuga. Nawis, quae tibi creditum debes vergilium, finibus atticis, reddas in columem precor. Et serves animae di medium meae. Illi robur et ais triplex circa pectus erat, qui fragilem truci commisit pelago ratem primus. Nec timuit. Praecipit Africum, 
decertan d'aquilonibus, nec tristis huadas, nec rabiam noti. Quo non arbiter hadriae maior, tollere seu ponere volt freta. Quem mortis timuit gradum, qui siccis oculis monstra natantia, qui vidit mare turbidum et infamis scopulos acroceraunia. Ne qui quam Deus abscidit prudens oceano disociabili terras, si tamen impiae non tangenda rates transiliunt vada. Audax omnia perpeti, gens humana ruit pervetitum nefas. Audax iapeti genus, ignem fraude mala gentibus intulit. Post ignem aetheria domo subductum, Macies et noa febrium terris incubuit cohors. Se motique prius tarda necessitas leti corripuit gradum. Expertus vacuum daedalus aera Pinnis non homini datis, Perupit aceront Herculeus labor. Nil mortalibus arduest. Caelum ipsum petimus stultitia Neque per nostrum patimur scelus Iracunda ioem ponere. Fulminant.